0: Now it's been a couple of months because we've been really busy over the last few months. Chris has been flat out work. Doug, Doug's been lazing about. He's not been doing much. Flying around. Yeah, exactly. Because for for those who don't know, Doug's a multi-millionaire, has a palatial mansion, and he just sort of chills out in his downtime. And oh, Joe and I have published a book, so we've yes. all been busy. So, but we're back. And hello, everyone. So we before, way back in the mists of time, it was Doug's choice. And it was daughters, it was daughters of the god. Gods?
1: Of gods.
2: Gods of gods. Except we find out they are neither. (laughs) Oh
1: my. It's making a noise. That must mean there's another time machine out there. It's another police box. Hold on, everybody.
0: Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Early Adventures.
3: Daughter of the Gods. Uh, Hold tight, my
0: dear! Grab hold of the ship! What is happening?
3: But it can't be.
2: Doctor? Doctor, what's wrong?
3: I'm going to be your pilot, apparently... My name is... Stephen Taylor.
2: My name is Katerina.
3: Doctor, she still thinks she's dead.
2: Our enemies are upon us.
0: You must leave the planet before it is too late.
1: This is the Chancellor of the planet, Ubinia. What is your purpose? Extermination!
0: Finish. We love stories.
3: People in our media, listen to me. This is the Doctor. The
0: Doctor? Of course. But why
3: can't I remember? remember, remember, remember? So this was your choice. So first of all, what did you think of it? It was my choice because it was one of the earliest big Finnish releases I bought and one of the sales about, I guess it must be about a year ago, middle of the summer last year. And I played it in the garden, not knowing much about it, and uh, in the palatial mansion. In the, in the palatial mansion, yeah, well I was weeding, <laughs> one of the gardens, <laughs> the top, and, the top um, terrace. It, uh, oh, I enjoyed it, basically, and that's why I thought we'd we'd give it to you guys because I, uh, I never saw the original first two Doctors when they were on TV, so I've only seen them in video or read the Target novels. So, and Katerina, who's the uh, the daughter of the gods, she appears in. I think it's five episodes of Doctor Who. And she was a, I think, quite a short notice replacement for Vicky, the companion that preceded her, who stayed in Troy. Katharina was a handmaiden of whichever character it was in Troy. So she basically appears about half or two thirds of the way through the last episode of The Mythmakers, gets in the TARDIS. Next adventure is Big Dalek Extravaganza. And uh, spoiler alert, she gets sucked out of an airlock, I think, about episode four of that. So she's only in five episodes of the original Doctor Who. And I think the reason for that is because she obviously came from Troy. So, you know, everything was amazing to her. Any sort of basic technology was amazing because all they had was, I don't even know if they had steel in those days for the swords. It may have been the bronze swords they were using, I'm not sure. Definitely didn't have the internet. Definitely didn't have the internet, no. <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> how did
2: they even live? Honestly. Remember the character
1: I think was better. No.
3: So so it was it was an it was interesting because it's a way to expand on her story in a way that it all goes back to, you know, how it ends up anyway. But it was good interaction with the characters. And I thought for you guys, because we're not covered the first doctor yet, and we have the second doctor with the third doctor, so it's a way to try and Get some more Doctors ticked off our list of all of the 13 or 14 now, I guess. It is almost 15 by the end of the year. Doctors, so... And it's got the, the people playing the Doctors are the actual actors who were the companions of those Doctors rather than some new actors. So it ticked quite a few boxes from my side for ticking things off. So there uh, could be plenty to talk about. And I'm interested to hear what uh, everybody else thought of it because they probably, apart from Stuart, didn't know anything about Katarina and... The Mythmakers, nope. which is a bit of a it's a bit of a comedy episode. I, I, it doesn't exist at all apart from an audio soundtrack anymore. Parts of the Dalek story do, but in the Dalek story, a lot of the first, certainly the first three episodes, you know, the Doctor and the companions don't really appear that much. So, Katharina doesn't really get a lot of time on
1: screen, even if you did know anything about her. Well, she just walks on, gets sucked out an airlock. See you later. yeah, done.
3: But, I mean, there's quite a lot of exposition. I think it was in the last episode of the of the the audio. Which basically covers all you need to know about her. So yeah. it may have been a bit late for you to really know what was going on on the first listen and all that, but it, it pretty much covers how she got the TARDIS, what happened, the fact that Stephen was injured, which explains why he's injured at the end of the, the story.
1: Never trust an airlock.
0: I'm not sure it's technically the airlock's fault.
1: Well, you know. Yeah, is. Some people just like, turn up to work and be like, you know what, I'm going to do a half shift today.
2: I'm just going to suck today.
1: Yeah. You out of me. <laughs> Taking a, a strange turn this
2: conversation. Yeah, well, uh, funnily enough...
1: Now let's segue straight into the Hornblowers.
2: No, no, no. I'm going to have to have a, like, a whole hornblower section just just for the Hornblowers area uh, of this one because it is a cornucopia, an embarrassment of, of Hornblowers. <laughs> I think that would be quite a good one. Yeah, I hadn't realised that Peter Purvis and Fraser Hines were actually voicing the doctors as well until I went and looked at the cast list. And so I thought that was pretty good because... They were definitely different voices, which is, is some of the problems I've had in the past with some of the audios is getting really confused as to who's actually speaking. And I didn't find that really a problem at all with this. Well, first of all, 10 out of 10 really, really enjoyed it. Really like the the music and the sound escape this behind this, you know, behind the actual talking or whatever that's called, scripts. What is it? Somebody stop saying what that is. What happens when track? people talk? Dialogue. Dialogue. That's it. <laughs> Dialogue. So Behind the dialogue, all of the supporting soundscape was really, really good as well, and I, I just felt it was, it was like proper quality. If you know what I mean. I don't know that, that all of them have that that same finesse to them. I'm not sure, but I just find it was just yeah, absolutely excellent. Captured the feel. Really liked hearing that theme tune again. Olivia and I are watching. We're up to Jodie Whittaker at the moment. And every time the theme tune changes, she's like, oh, I don't like this one. <laughs> so she's turning into a proper fan.
0: Uh, that is that is a sign of a proper fan.
2: Absolutely. Every time she's well. she like, oh, I don't like this one as much, I oh, all for crying out loud. <laughs> Where does this come from? It doesn't come from me. <laughs> I had no idea who Katarina was. And again, until I did a bit of, I, I listened to it first and then went into, into a bit of the backstories afterwards once I'd had, to, had the actual listen. So I wasn't aware of that. I always think it's quite clever when you manage to eke another story out and yet set people back where they were so that it doesn't affect the, the original timeline. Obviously it does a bit.
3: I think it's true to say that both Peter Parvis and Fraser Hines did both parts live, not recording them separately. So they went from wow. their own character oh. to the next character to the to That's
2: the even better. Character. That's really it's really impressive actually. I like that. And I, I, think- I genuinely wouldn't have known
1: I guess it's quite quite handy having the two having the having Jamie and second doctor separated from most, for most of the show
0: I think they do both do really nice versions of the voices
1: well that brings me onto my thing I really enjoy I, st- story-wise really enjoyed it it's that perfect level of multi-doctor the stakes are there even without knowing the backstory of either Mythmakers or Dalek master plan yeah no I really enjoyed it the stakes are there it's another kind of I quite like these these sort of stories because, as to Joe's point, they kind of slot into the canon that we know with a whole new, a whole new sort of story we never knew could be there, and it's really well crafted, really well set out. And I like this kind of the pacing of it is really really well done. So it is you know, escalated quite quickly and then just kind of de-escalates a, a little bit. I liked, really enjoyed how each of the first two to three episodes kind of flipped the perspective. Mm-hmm. So you got the first first half of the episode is very much a second Doctor story. Episode two is kind of what's happening to the first Doctor as it happened in the, in the timeline of the episode three months before the second Doctor rocks up, which is actually happening in somewhat real time. So it's quite nice how is that set up that way. And yeah, then just kind of kicks off into a big old, big old drama towards the, towards the end. Did you the, find
3: the, the way they did the, the first episode from the, the second Doctor's perspective... And then the second episode was the first Doctor's version of the same sort of event. Yeah. Is that confusing at all? Or?
1: No, not at all. I, I, picked, I kind of picked up quickly. One thing I will say that really took me out of the episode quite a lot, I think that's only because we've had so many without narration that we kind of have to figure it out as we go. So I kind of got used to that sort of, that way of listening to it, I guess. So to have cool. the, a narrator just pop in out of nowhere just to explain one or two things like, oh, well, no, I don't it mind
2: did. that actually. Yeah. yeah like, I, don't, I don't know what it was. I, mean, I think
1: it just pulled me out of it mm-hmm. because I think it just used to playing the episode in my head without having someone explain everything to me or having the dialogue kind of be exposition heavy. Yeah. Again, that's probably, I think that's going back on one of my complaints of other shows being too loud and bangy and whirring cars and.
2: Yeah, nobody knows what's going you
1: know, on. <laughs> what the fuck is going on right now? Apparently it's a car chase with a golem, I think, possibly, potentially. <laughs> Who knows? Nitro 9, throw it at him. Go, why not? So yeah, that that kind of took me out a little bit, but not to the point of disliking the episode at all. It did take me a moment to figure out that it was actually the actors themselves kind of taking tandems. So it was the, if I remember rightly, the first episode is with Zoe speaking, and then it would be, because that's the thing I thought was going to be at first. I thought there was going to be some sort of like, Recounting of the events of this episode in some sort of post episode speech or whatnot, but it just was just no, just basic narration, stage directions of anything.
3: Yeah, some of them were kind of I felt unnecessary because you'd have a bit of explanation, and then the chat between the characters immediately after that, yeah, kind of told you the same thing anyway. So uh, I'm not sure they could have done without it completely, but there's certainly subsections of it they could, but. I guess if you started doing doing it to a degree, you want, you want to keep a certain amount of it in. But.
1: Yeah, it didn't make it sense in terms of the episode. I think that was, that was by my criticism on that one. It didn't make sense in the confines of the episode that there was a narrator, because as far as, well, as far as I've listened so far, there hasn't been. Stuart, please correct me if there are other, other episodes that have narration.
0: I think they do a bit more on these ones. I think for that reason that, I think it's because you've got the same actors doing multiple roles that they do tend to have narration into this maybe so they don't have to put as much pressure on peter purvis who's in his what 70s or 80, 80s probably to to have to do that doctor voice all the time you know i think it's maybe just to ease it on the actors
2: it would have really helped with that first one that you made me listen to Stuart. what well, was at the very very first big finish where it was like five million doctors who all sang the same i've got to listen to that again Thank you. Well, was that the fir- I think that's very first one, Sirens of Time. The very first one, yeah. Sirens of Time. I had no idea what was going on, so I could really could have done with a narrator for that. Hadn't a clue. Just people everywhere randomly doing things. I think if you were to go back
0: now, though, and listen to that, you would get it a lot more because you would Probably. know. You would go, oh, well, that is obviously, uh, you know, you go, oh, well, that's Holland's doctor, who you wouldn't have known at the time.
2: No. It was all brand new. So, yeah, my ears maybe tuned a little bit better to it. But yeah, that first time, no idea of what was going on at all. Just sort of grin and bore it until we got on to the next piece.
1: It didn't put you off enough, thankfully. Yeah. yeah similar to the, master, the masterful one. You know, masterful the, one was hilarious. Yeah. I think. <laughs> These bunch of masters just kicking around and crispy. One thing I will say again on the kind of sound production and kind of the direction of this episode as well, there was one moment that stood out for me quite heavily. It was in the second episode where Zoe had met Stephen and they're kind of chatting with the Doctor over some sort of vid or radio screen or whatever. But the way that it was directed of going back and forth between the, the two sets, if that makes sense. So you got from, so Purvis being the first speaking to them, and then the audio flips, and it's them speaking as themselves into the radio and the Doctor coming back through them. I did that twice and I thought that was really, really clever. And again, I think if it, in that whole imagination thing, it worked really well, and in my head, it kind of spilled out. I think we've spoken before about a little bit of visual cues here and there, but that really kind of solidified a direction, video cue in my head for the imagination of the whole piece. Yeah, really cool.
3: they they they, 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 they changed the perspective partway through what they were saying, didn't they? So you, yeah, it sounded like you were in the room with them, and then yeah, you would listen to them over the speaker on the on the other end, and then. The other end of the speaker, and then they swap back. So
1: that's exactly that, and it's but it was done in such a way that it was so seamless that at the same time no one had to repeat their last line, or it just was one continuous conversation. Whoever made that choice, well done, sir or madam.
0: Right, so he was Sir, because the writer was David K. Barnes, mm-hmm. who I was just looking up there as you were speaking, because it's not a name I recognise massively, but actually he's written another one of these sort of past Doctor adventures called the Dalek Occupation of Winter. I remember being really good. So I think he's maybe just got a really nice understanding of how these types of audios work. Cool.
1: One last point on kind of the audio, the sounds and stuff, is the Fraser Hines and Peter Purse's voices. Now, at times, they were spot on. Other times, just felt weird and just wrong. I don't know what it was. It, whether it be their cadences, their over-reliance on a certain vocal cue that Trout and Hardell had. Is this... A- them playing the doctor, you're meaning, or them playing their characters? Oh, sorry, play, playing the doctors, playing their ver- they're using their voices to do the doctors. As as Jamie, I have a I'm a love hate relationship with it because it just feels a really weird version of Scots. As a scott yeah. as a scott it I think feels I think that to- is
0: fair. That Scots people are going to be a little bit more suspicious of the Jamie accent than yeah. The it's like just it's so
1: it's so Scottish. It's like nobody speaks Ooh. like that. And then maybe someone like on an Edinburgh tour, maybe. But yeah, I just I just felt weird and just very mm, stop spec normally again.
3: Yeah, that's why I mentioned that they were doing it pretty much live, swapping voices. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They're talking to themselves basically. So, but yeah, you're right. I think Fraser Hines generally probably does a a closer to the second Doctor version of the Doctor than Peter Purvis manages. But I was watching a video interview with Peter, which was done during lockdown. So what would that be, two or three years ago now? And he was saying that he's he's having a bit more problems getting the, keeping the voice right for the doctor because of his hearing. it's His, his ears going because he is, I think he is in his 80s now. So. so I think if you, if you heard earlier versions, you'd notice less Peter Purvis. Certainly when I was listening to them, you could tell it was Peter Purvis doing the doctor. Whereas when Fraser was doing it, sometimes it was quite <laughs> obvious. In fact, I was, that was one of the things I was interested to find out what you thought, because sometimes he doesn't really sound very much like Patrick Troughton. Yeah. Um, or like himself or, or, or Jamie, but other times he is you know, spot on.
1: I think when it comes to that, it's trying to find, it's like Patrick trouton has got such a unique way of speaking as the doctor, but he's got very much of he, he, because it's him. He's got his own range. Fraser Hines kind of focuses in more on the, this muttery stumbly bumbly bit and not kind of the, a fuller range as Trouton would have done. I think, I guess as I say, like picking up a one sort of vocal cue and kind of running with it too much. Again, that's just my opinion of the whole thing. It felt less kind of a, Less there was that sort of Patrick Trouton had that sort of like like almost pompous grump at times that kind of like very high spoken bit fast not not gonna rely too much on that but that's just me and I haven't rewatched all that much Trouton to kind of have the biggest fullest opinion on that but that was just from what I've seen of him.
0: I think that's fair, but I I think the reason he's doing it is because that kind of noise is something that you instantly associate with Patrick Trouton. so he's overdoing it in order to be because more it makes second, him feel like he's yeah. doing a better yeah, Patrick it's Definitely than me, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was—I thought it was really interesting because I think he—I think they do, both do great versions
1: of their doctors. Although I will say, at times, for some reason, in my head, pictured—and dog you're going to hate me for this—the chap who played Style the Undefeated in *New Who*—dumpling with a gun. *Comedies on Tyrone.
2: Dan Starkey.
1: Yeah, no, the other one. He was in the Young Ones. What's his name? Chris Ryan. Yeah, he sounded more like Chris, Chris, Ryan. Chris Ryan than the first Doctor. No, nah, I don't think I got Chris Ryan. I have to say. I mean, that's just me and my weirdness. And
0: you have to be—you have to be wrong.
1: Back to being wrong. I'm back to—I'm back to being wrong,
0: baby. I'm back to being wrong. I thought actually one thing I thought about Peter Purvis was I thought he sounded remarkably good as Stephen, given it's 50 or plus years since he played, him, 55 years since he played him. He doesn't sound as aged as he probably should for a man in his 80s. I think he still does a reasonably.
2: Yeah, I hadn't realized.
0: You know, I think Jamie feels sounds a little older, but again, he does a reasonably good job. But I think I, I'm always surprised when I hear Peter Purvis's how similar he sounds.
3: Well, of all of the people on there, he's the one that I would recognise the voice most of because he was a Blue Peter presenter for, for either ten years or something. And you know, all of my knowledge of older Doctor Who and any clips I saw, they were always on Blue Peter way back in the early seventies and the the ten before the tenth anniversary of Daleks coming into the studio as well as elephants dumping on it. On the floor of the studio, so...
0: The elephant's dumping on the Dalek? I don't remember that, Blue Peter, but... The floor
1: of the studio. Well, what now I'm that? thinking of a Dalek gun coming out of a trunks of an elephant. That's an interesting thought.
3: See, it's all... It's, you're too young, Chris, to have seen it. You must have seen the clips on...
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm too young was... to have an elephant dump on me.
2: I do remember that, actually. I think I... An elephant oh,
0: dumping
1: on we... Chris? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Well, did. I'm too <laughs> young for that, Stuart. I'm too young for that. Can we organise it?
2: Far too you young <laughs> to
1: have that. My dumping years are well ahead of me.
2: Yeah. You've got I, yeah, I think person. we've just
0: found the name of the episode. I thought they did quite a thing where they sort of linked into new who in sort of later age who by having the doctor not managing to navigate in his way around his own TARDIS oh. that felt quite something that I we could imagine David Tennant or Matt Smith
1: doing. Yes, with the dashing around, oh what does this do? I'll hit with a hammer or like I think Patrick
3: Dritton did a fair bit of that, didn't he? Maybe not William Hartnell. I think he liked to know where everything was, but like Patrick was more the. A...
0: He's a bit more shambolic, certainly.
1: Well, I kind of thought when the Daleks first turned up, I, in my head, kind of, this made me the way I listened to the episode was I was imagining kind of more new who Dalek, supreme, big, red, and chunky. And like that, I kind of really quite enjoyed, okay, we've got two younger doctors fighting a possibly more advanced version of the Daleks, which I thought was quite, it could be a unique opportunity for storytelling but then i didn't realize what the dalek master plan already had the big a time timey wimey gun that they were building but made very clear in the story yeah they are but i mean before that i realized you know, until uh, they
3: got to uh, that explanation
1: yeah because yeah, i've said i didn't know what the dalek master plan was about but then when it is explained what will happen in that episode i kind of thought oh this is kind of chonky new dog coming back to take over a planet and oh you got two younger doctors who are probably let's just." Less experienced, Dalek.
2: It is. I'm d- the idea of Dalek chonk. chonk, Dalek Cad, and Dalek Chonk,
1: <laughs> and Dalek Hench.
0: I think it is difficult on this one though because we don't have Dalek Master Plan, and this is kinda quite heavily tied into it, and it's it is lost. I was just trying to work out before whether we have a single episode with Katarina in it or if all those episodes are lost. I'm not sure. Do you know, Doug?
3: I well, I. I did watch the first two or three episodes. This is like weeks ago, before all this. the, the recording was delayed, and Katarina is in, certainly in the first episode. I think the second episode is mostly the alien delegates getting together. There's little bits to the, the 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 Doctor Who group, the TARDIS group, but most of the episode doesn't feature them. In the certainly in the first two or three, and I never got as far as episode four to actually see what happens to Katarina. Never never got a chance to get back to it. But I think the fourth episode doesn't exist, so I think it might just be Photosnaps anyway. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think it was the second episode. One of the first three doesn't exist, it was Photosnaps, and the other the other two I think do exist. And I have a feeling that the fourth one doesn't. So, but yeah, quick. not a lot. So she I mean, she doesn't get much action on the television series at all, really. She, I mean, you may not have thought she did much in the audio, but she did a lot more than she does in the TV episodes.
1: Yes, I mean, as you're saying, she, sounds, well, she was the, very much the crux of this episode, which I think is quite interesting for someone who, as a character, for a character who has no fleshed out stuff in the actual show, they really managed to flesh her out a lot more and gave her sort of a lot more poignancy and a, probably a, a nicer send off than getting weakened out of an airlock.
3: Well, she still gets that in reality because it all goes yeah. back to zero, doesn't it?
1: But he, he at least like 20 more minutes before she gets weakened. But I think that's why I really enjoyed this one because it has a lot of these, I enjoyed these sort of stories. We have to try and figure out kind of where it sets in the timeline of what's going on and to have really no context for either previous or following stories to have this one be stuck in there and to have been explained in such of a, a way that doesn't feel heavy handed with telling you exactly, Oh, this is what's happening. You, why don't you have prior knowledge? It's like, well, no, this is, I like wibbly wobbly alternate timeline sort of stuff because it just gives you a a chance to play. It's a it's like a, a free for all playground.
3: Yeah, so I mean that, that was one of the reasons I thought it might be interesting for everybody because I hadn't read the novel or really, you know, I might have read the synopsis from years ago in one of the one of the short synopsis books, but I hadn't really. I'd seen the the Dalek episodes, I think, on the Lost the Lost in Time box set, but again, that was even ten years ago, probably more than that now. So, you know, to me, the story was, you know, filling in the blanks as well, because I couldn't read them. I knew, knew Katri- Katarina existed, but, you know, as to how much she was in the myth making, I was quite surprised actually when I went back and went through it that she was in so little of it and had so little to do in the bit she was actually in. So, yeah, it's not, the only the problem is that, yeah, where can you go? You'd have to have something similar have another episode with her because you know there is no other way that you can yeah you can it's, catch her i mean there
0: is just looking this up doug the only episode that she ever appeared in was that we've still got is day of armageddon which is the second of the dalek master plan
3: yeah because the first one is probably well nicholas courtney brett and i think on the planet campbell before so may, yeah the TARDIS team might not actually appear in that episode i should know because it's only about a month ago i watched it but i watched them all together so it's a bit hard to remember who what which ones they appeared in, but yes, it's good to see the the brigadier before he was the brigadier in there.
1: Was that when he was not as that completely separate character before he was the brig, or just this... oh yeah, it was, he was
3: completely yeah, character playing on a alien planet. Cool. But uh, yeah, the, the story they reconstructed a few years ago, it, that was the, what Dalek cutaway, whatever they call it. That uh, was, mission mission to the unknown. Mission to the unknown. Yeah, that was I think that was before the Myth Makers. Then they had the Myth Makers, and then they had the Dalek Master Plan, didn't they? I think that's how how they heard it as a sort of hook into the forthcoming Dalek story.
0: The the Mythmakers, I think I've mentioned this before, the Mythmakers had the proposed title that never got used of my favourite Doctor Who thing, which is Is there a doctor in the horse? For the bit where they use the uh, Trojan Uh, horse? That that was
3: the level of the whole Uh, episodes, I'm afraid. But (laughs) I wouldn't recommend you sit through the the story necessarily. Mythmakers is actually,
0: it's one I think, if it came back, we'd be surprised. I think it would be a lot better than we think it is. There's, there's a lot so, of, I mean, you've got to remember, a lot of people hate the gunfighters. I think the gunfighters is excellent. And that's a, that kind of has that similar sort of humor
3: going on. Yeah, but I think the acting was better than the gunfighters. Possibly. The, directors, you know, the way that the director wanted them to act, not necessarily the acting.
0: Well, so I'm thinking, I think actually, now I think about it, I have in my head, and I might be wrong, that the gunfighters and the myth might have both been written by the same writer. Can't remember. Which might, it might explain it. It's. I think it is. It's cool to see these these ones again. And something Big Finish have done quite well on this that I don't think they've always done well is dealing with the aftermath of the death of a companion. Where Doctor Who has sometimes been. I mean, in the Dalek Master Plan is the only story in which two companions die. For example, where you got Katarina and Sarah Kingdom. And I remember Adric dying, and it being oh, it's very tragic for the first episode, and then it. I think it gets it gets mentioned later, but it's not it doesn't appear to be something that has affected them in the way you'd expect, given these are how close they all are. But you get that even when a companion leaves, you feel there would be loss that you don't always feel. But in the last Doctor Who episode, in fact, the last of the Jodie Whittaker ones, when Tegan is arguing with the Fifth Doctor, it is mentioned, what would, what would I say to you? And she says, Adric. and it's, So it's nice to see that that is still you know an issue for them. So it's. I think it's quite nice to see that it did affect. Katarina's death did affect the second Doctor, even though he barely mentions her again.
1: And the first as well. It's his. Well, his incarnation who loses her. And like, and I, that's what I was going to bring up as a point as well. Is like this episode really deals with. I think it shows the first Doctor in a in a very different light from what anyone's kind of maybe used to. And that he's very, very emotional. Very much. He, he's trying to. He's trying to save everyone, but also more so, he's trying to save Katrina because he's he's had that three, four, that three months to grow attached to her as maybe some sort of student pupil sort of thing. And yeah, so it's down to the second doctor to really kind of be the grown-up in the room, which is almost like the complete flip of what dynamic you'd imagine it to be.
3: Oh, there was a nice flip of the dynamic about who was keeping who up in the episode as well. I was I? about yeah. to say that literally
0: I have a note here to say the, doc, the first doctor appears to be a party animal and, and <laughs> it, it, it is sort of unexpected that the first doctor is the one who's off schmoozing while Stephen is having to do all the actual work. Although the doctor and this first doctor also has my favourite quote in this which was let me play a tiny violin.
3: Yeah, got some good lines in this didn't he?
1: <laughs> my favourite one was the Laurel and Hardy call out now look what you've got me into.
3: Yeah, there were a few nice lines slipped in there, weren't there? Plenty of chuckles going on.
0: It it did that job where it managed to be quite funny, but also it
1: managed to be quite serious. Yeah, it knew exactly when to hit the funny button and then not in a kind of a overstated sort of way. Like just gave you that little bit of a chuckle to kind of cut cut that tension, and then have a dialogue blow building up, which is always fun.
0: I th- I think as well something I have noted down here is that actually for the first time in quite a while and i'm the daleks felt genuinely quite menacing i think they're quite overused and they don't feel like the all-powerful killing machines because they're almost a little bit you're a bit used to them and they're almost a little bit silly and a little bit daleky and this it kind of did feel a bit more threatening and i don't know if it's because they were introduced quite late into the story which i think was a huge plus for it
1: yeah i think most stories when the baddie is revealed halfway through you kind of got a I, well, when we went through Harvest and I realized that it was a cyber episode, ha- literally bang halfway through, and like, oh, here we go, kids. This is going to be great. <laughs> so, yeah, same, similar sort of thing with this one, we realize it is the Daleks, even though if you'd look at the box art, you know, spoilers. If you don't, then yeah, you got, you know.
0: It's a, it's a bit like when you have, you know, remembrance of the Daleks, and then you're expected to be surprised. when That's the name of the episode. You're expected to be surprised at the end of the episode where the reveal is, <laughs> it's a Dalek. Well, of course what? it is.
3: Spoilers, sure. Come yeah. on now. They, they should have done, just called the first episode Remembrance. Well, that just was called the first Invasion of the Dinosaurs episode Invasion. I was about to vehicle. say, i have done mm-hmm. that before,
0: yeah. They called it Invasion, and then it was a surprise when a dinosaur came up. It was probably a surprise because it was such a shit dinosaur, though. Well, good old CGI will sort that out, won't it? I think they have. I think they have. Oh, it's already up. out, of course, isn't it? They have, they have updated it. So, yeah, I thought the Daleks were quite menacing. I thought they felt like a, a proper enemy. It was a strange one because it's one of those ones where you know how it has to end because you know exactly where they end up, like minutes later. Yeah. You know exactly where they came from if you know the story and you know exactly where they're going to. So, it really was, I quite a rare opportunity to do something with Katarina.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things as well, like that moral choice of classic needs of the many and also someone out of time who, a fixed point, that sort of thing. Very much the Charlie conundrum where like, yeah, you're actually, you shouldn't really be here. This all could get reset, but you are a person. You're a life, but, you know.
0: Big Finish are very good at finding those tiny 10 second time periods where you can fit another story in. There's a great set of stories in the companion chronicles which star of all people and you wouldn't expect him to be great at this but he's amazing at it is tom allen the comedian
3: Mm -hmm.
0: where he plays companion and it's a it's a peter purvis again is playing
3: he's a companion to the first doctor isn't he
0: yeah so he's playing both steven and and the first doctor because it's the companion chronicles were a set they did where they were kind of cheaply produced almost in that they were two-handers so they'd only have two actors
1: involved so they they weren't so intensive and there's a lot of narration in them, Chris, what do you know? Oh yeah. god. I don't mind I don't mind narration. I don't mind narration. It's just there's just weird in this there's one. There's
0: some very good stories in there. Like The Score which is a Companion Chronicle if I remember. And yeah, the, the I don't have you listened to them? Doug, the
3: Oliver. I I think I've got one or two of them, so I, I I'm missing one, so I don't want to listen to them until I've got all three of them. I think so. that's a wise choice. I think it's definitely yeah. worth listening to them. Now, that's the problem. The way I'm picking stuff up in sales and second-hand or whatever, I'm getting bits and pieces, and you, then you realise that you know two or three of them are linked in a, a, an arc or whatever, you think, oh, great, well, I won't be listening to those for a while. <laughs>
0: they're, they're a very self-contained set. I mean, it might be that that would be a good one for us to do uh, slightly later down the line, is do those three episodes, because they'll be an hour each. Oh, is that one episode? Yeah. So that's maybe not a bad idea at some point, but they're really good at just finding a place to shoehorn a new story, <laughs> Or or in some cases, the same story. There's at least one which is happening at the same time as an episode that we will have seen. A bit like what the River Song one Yeah, did. that's just
1: way to say we We bring those up with the White Chiang and the Inferno.
0: Yes. It's a bit it's sort of similar to that where there's, you know, that we, you know, we know what's happening on the other side of the wall. There's definitely one that happens along. I think it's one of these past doctors happens at the same time as Tomb of the Cybermen, for example, where the Doctor's off doing one thing in the tombs and we know now that there's another Doctor off doing something
1: else. I love a multi-Doctor story. I really do.
0: This one was interesting because I don't think it felt quite as much like a multi-Doctor story as you might think, but I, I think it was really, that was maybe to its benefit.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's one that that classic thing of less is more in certain things and that's why I just kind of go back to Day of the Doctor quite re- regularly because there's not, as much as, the, as the, all three of them are great together, there's just not, you always want more you always want more so that one scene in the lab and then there's the scene towards the end where they discuss the whole timeline and stuff that's pretty much the only real interactions you get just the two of them and the wonderfulness of the bickering is just, it never gets old and it, it's just good fun it's it reminds me of time crash as well tenant meeting well 10 meeting fifth and how they've no idea. well one has no idea who's the other but he's like there's nice little digs here and there it's just good fun My doctors are fun more of them please or, sorry, less of them.
0: I, I agree. I mean... More of less.
1: Yes, more of less. I
0: did my top 10 for my new review site, dot review reviewcom I did a top 10 classic Doctor Who stories, or my, my view of the top 10 classic Doctor Who stories. I was kind of waiting for Doug to come back and be massively offended by them. And I, I now just think he hasn't looked at them because he would, I'm sure. I
3: he haven't really. I didn't. Did click on the link, but um, never got a chance to read all of it. But I have. But the, the, what you'd listed seemed to be quite good stories to me, but maybe there's some sneaky ones further off.
0: On. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not sure you would agree with my number two, two and one, to be fair. But it, it I have.
2: Remembrance
0: yeah. of the Comedy Sontarin. <laughs> yeah. Comedy Sontarin, Efton One and Two. Doctors uh, on Parade. I, I had both the Three Doctors and the Five Doctors I'm in there. there. And I know that objectively, the Five Doctors is not great but I love to watch it because, like you say, I just love to see them all together. I love the bickering between two and three, and it's just, yeah, just silly. Fun. And I quite like mm. a bit of silly in my, in my Doctor Who occasionally. But for you guys, this, have you listened to or caught much First Doctor stuff, or was this kind of new to you, the characters of Stephen and Zoe and Vicky and, and Jamie? I've
2: not really met any of them i think it was the destiny of the doctor that i listened to which had the first it goes through all of the doctors up to 11 anyway and so that was my kind of introduction was a narration rather than the actual one and i think there's a couple where he's not in it but he's sort of referred to by a narrator or by a companion or pretend companion or i don't know quite what i've not actually seen much of him and it all looked I've I've kind of stopped, or I'm not, I haven't really been tempted to to go back that far and watch the first Doctor because all the clips that I've seen, he just looks like really, it just looks really boring, and it's probably not. But in my head, I'm like, he's just this old grumpy dude telling think... everyone what to do, and it's probably not actually. But I just can't quite bring myself to. So I felt that this was quite a nice introduction even if it wasn't really, if he's more of a part animal in this than normal. <laughs> I, think, I think he definitely is.
0: I think, Doug, at the end of this podcast, you and I will give our recommendations for first and second Doctor
3: stories to watch. Oh my goodness, no pressure then.
0: No pressure. Because I obviously, I, I've just done my list recently. I have a few. In fact, I have both a first Doctor and a second Doctor in my list of top 10, so that those will be mine. I suppose we had seen Jamie in the third Doctor story we did that had the second Doctor in, didn't we?
2: Mm, yes we've seen jamie before i
0: think yeah i can't remember when what about you chris did you how did you experience the first doctor
1: well having seen i've only ever really experienced i say as similar to joe is watching clips of hartnell on youtube not actually other i've seen the unearthly child but then again he's not really up to much in that one until the end but mostly it's been david bradley's interpretation i've seen twice upon a time is still oh yeah if I was to do a list, Stuart, that would possibly be in my number one to two.
0: Well, incident. yeah, no, but I'm just going to say, because I was trying to get Chris earlier to write for my new review website. And have you
2: got a new review website?
0: I have, Oh, well, I've not heard of this. Sorry. Uh, what was the name again, Stuart? I think we've done it once. I think, I think it would be overkill. <laughs> but I might <laughs> mention it at the end credits. Let me just pull this plug out. And But I haven't done anything on New Who, so you could do a top ten New Who. got top ten. well. that as well. twice
2: upon a time we've just watched recently with Olivia. And I have to say, she has a heart of stone because I was bawling. Like I was doing that whole quiet face, <laughs> bit sniffy, you know, like trying not, not to. And then I turned around and she's just like playing a game, looking up and down. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh.
1: There's not a single time I've seen it that I haven't cried. Uh, and it's always, the, and it's always the same moment. The same moment that gets me is when the bombs stop and they will come out of the
2: yeah, oh yeah,
1: that's, that, that's just gone that's just like totally no, no I'm done see, see you later I'm not used to emotion what the hell is this thing
0: I mean yeah. for, for me it's the manufactured and it is completely manufactured moment where he says his name and it's Lethbridge Stewart and it's just like oh, oh. Yes. had to god and, and anything with Bill because I think Bill was oh, the most underused sorry I'm more. just going to
1: cry in the corner for a minute I'm having like PTSD Doctor Who right yeah, here the
0: most yeah. underused <laughs> companion I think of that whole apart from the only one I think who got treated as badly is possibly Martha. And they slightly redeemed her by bringing her back in other ways.
1: Yeah. I, I think I, Martha I, got
2: such a hard time and people just didn't like her because she fancied the doctor. And it's yeah. like, look, let's face it, you put David Tennant on because everyone fancies him as a doctor. That's part he's good, but he's also, that's one of the things that sold this. And then you complain that Martha fancies him. And yeah. it's like, well, Jealousy what, much. what on earth were you going to do? <laughs> I, I think that's fairly natural. I thought it was pretty ballsy that she decided. Actually, do you know what? This isn't for me. I realise this is getting to be quite toxic for myself. I'm walking out on this on my own terms. Fabulous. I don't see why that wasn't admirable. Anyway, sorry. Well, I <laughs> sorry. nailed it. Very it frustrated not, on behalf of
0: the. Thing with that, I would disagree with. I,
2: was I still quite... query why she ended up with Mickey though. But then. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mickey, Mickey the idiot,
1: went with yeah. uh, Lucifer. So Tom Ellis.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> she got, well, she got Tom Ellis first, and then. Yeah. then decided Mickey was, was where it was at. Which I, I mean, I that makes no sense, I query it? that. No, it doesn't yeah. really make um, much sense. But.
0: I, I did notice as well that on her Instagram this week, she has a photo of her in a recording
1: studio Ooh.
3: with
0: with a script hidden. So it was like, okay, this is interesting. What are, what are you yeah, not somewhere. telling us?
1: What do you reckon? Who are, or who are Torchwood? Who? Yeah. Well,
0: I don't know. I mean, they've got to do something about Torchwood, don't they? Because they're not using john Barrowman at the moment so they need to keep the torchwood kind of thing going there's a moral at all in this story it might be that actors have jobs for life when they're in doctor who and it doesn't matter whether the characters are killed off Sadly, in this case it's not the original actor, because the original actor passed away but there are complete examples in big finish where characters such as sarah kingdom have come back despite the fact that we saw her whole run on screen it wasn't even there was like a room to do and put in extra episodes. We we know almost a hundred percent of her whole arc, and yet they still managed to bring her back. So you know, you're never, nor you're never ever dead.
2: Oh, yeah. So you never ever. I like that. That's That might be a better title. Never, never ever, ever dead. dead in Doctor Who.
0: And it does. It does bring in the fact, though, that we could have, and they have, in fact, brought Adric back for for stuff. But it does bring in the fact that you could have the Nardole Chronicles. Where we just get a whole episode, a whole box set. I shouldn't suggest this because someone from Big Finish will listen and go,
2: Chronicle. Take a commission, Stuart? You <laughs> should pitch it."
1: I want to hear. I want to see the episode where Nardole gets sent to Birmingham for a packet of crisps. That's the episode I want to see.
0: I have a suspicion that writers who could make an awesome episode based around. Could that. you imagine? Gets on a bus and gets off. But uh... oh my
2: god! You can imagine gets in the bull ring?
0: We could, we could make it. <laughs> we could make Doug's life complete. <laughs> we could have the the episode where Nardal and Strax do a buddy movie. That's oh. it. Nardole gets but on then the bus. bus strax is, as well. <laughs> strax is driving the bus.
3: So you're still talking, I was zoned out here, you're talking about Doctor Who, I've got as little memory as I want to have off. Or
0: just even, you could even make it another man, Then the Nardole and Missy show, where Nardole and Missy do a series oh, of adventures grace. together.
1: The Missy Adventures of Nardole and...
0: There is a series, and it might be one we have to get to at some point, there's a Missy Adventures with Missy and the Monk, the Meddling Monk, okay. and okay. the Meddling Monk is played by Rufus Hound. So you've just banter between the two of them. That would be great. And if I remember at this point as well, the meddling monk is just a head in a jar. It's it's that sort of surreal thing that she's carrying around a head in her handbag.
1: I think we've got a next episode.
0: I think we all like
1: this episode, Dan. Yes, Yes, very much so. Thank you.
0: Was
2: there anything anyone Um, would change? I would include a a full hornblower. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. Sorry, Joe. So many, so many partial semi-hornblowers
0: that, Tell us about the hornblowers.
2: Shall we have the rundown? Go for it. There's six, actually, as far as I can see. There may be more, but there are six hornblower associations. We've got one partial. How how tenuous are these hornblower associations? Well, one is quite tenuous, and the other ones are direct semi-hornblowers. Now, Just so you know, a direct semi-hornblower is someone who has acted or worked in a thing at the same time and possibly on scene with an actor form hornblower. A partial hornblower is someone who has acted in a thing that a hornblower has acted in, but not necessarily at the same time. I'm taking this too seriously. <laughs> Very serious stuff. So... First of all, we'll start with.
0: <laughs> uh, wait, see, just, I, although there aren't any, the full Hornblower is someone who has been in Hornblower and Doctor Yes,
2: and there's some there's some cracking ones here, but there's obviously like, a Holby one. Holby ones always are are easy. Everyone's been in.
0: It's a bit, it's a bit of a cop out. I'm always wondering: should we take no, out that, the Holby one?
2: That's the least one. Well, we might, we might, but that's I just as uh, so was Caterina. Now she was in Holby around 2008, so she may have acted with Hugh Quarshie. So that's my most tenuous one. Ian Crowe, who played Chancellor Atras, just Touching Evil from 1997 to 99 with Sean Gilder. He is a hornblower actor. He was in it quite a lot. Laura Elston, who played the captain. She was in Dez in 2020, not only with David Tennant, but also hornblower Ron Cook. We have Lisa Bowerman, who's a director. So we actually would come away from the actors now. Sapphire and Steel from 2005, 2008 with David Warner. Direct Hornblower.
0: Yeah, she's she is. Uh, she's also was David Warner's partner. She is uh, oh. Ernie Summerfield.
2: Oh, geez. Okay. Well, there. So even even more direct Hornblower there. Jason haig Ellery, exec producer, Time of Their Lives, two thousand seventeen, with Ronald Pickup and Pauline Collins, who is Queen Victoria from Doctor Who. That is a, a clean sweep. I feel. I've, I feel. That's why I'm so happy with this episode. Apart from it being very good, it has many horn blowers.
1: Back to you in the studio.
2: Back to you in the studio.
1: I really enjoyed it. I just enjoyed it. It was good fun. I've it was. Kind of air, aired aired my, my, my gripes, but nothing I would ever put someone off this episode. It is good fun. It is, You'd imagine these doctors and these actors on a lot more kind of, sort of calmer sort of stories or less exciting stories, so it was nice to see them in an act in an action setting, like a full-on action setting, with it's almost akin to Journey's End or Stolen Earth, that level of Dalek heavy. Once they're on the ground, they're they're on the ground, and yeah, it was nice to meet a companion who, have or just companions who don't know who they are, just flat out don't. By that same time, learn to like them very very quickly, and then yeah, glad to see them go. Well, I'm glad you both enjoyed it. I wasn't sure if you would or not. Thank
2: I'm, you, Doug. I didn't, Thanks,
1: Doug. I didn't Expect
3: that you knew anything about. Really, any of the characters in the either uh, story because we'd had uh, we had Patrick, Brighton's Doctor, the second Doctor, and Jamie playing Jamie, an older version of him, the Annihilators, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Where that was a sort of third and Ooh. second crossover. That was good because, uh, well, Zoe, she got quite a few good things to do here. She's uh, she's a computer programmer, and as uh, with all the camp, the companions, they had got a, a good start, but they tend to fade off and just become a screaming companion or whatever, or cipher. But she got to. Out-compute the doctor, which made him fluster quite a bit and get quite annoyed that she could do a difficult calculation that he thought was impossible, I think it was, or very, very difficult. He was certainly flustered by that, and uh, she adapted a fuel pod into an explosive, which, with the help of fuel, blew up a few Daleks. Um, So I thought she did quite well, but I I do wonder if partly the narration was because she, probably of all the companions, got the least to do, I think, in the story. She got some good bits, but in between them, she didn't really have much to, to do or say, really. A few f- funny lines I particularly enjoyed was Stephen getting a bit annoyed that Katharina, who'd only just joined the TARDIS crew within a few weeks or a m- couple of months, suddenly got a key to the TARDIS when he did.
2: Yeah, a little bit jealous <laughs> uh, there, isn't it?
3: And Patrick Trout's Doctor's, the second Doctor's, no-blame culture of uh, when the TARDIS had its little contract talk with the other TARDIS. Well, who was it? I think Zoe said it. It was her fault. He said, "No, Jimmy, it's not true. It's no, sorry, no, Zoe, it's not your fault. It's Jamie's as well."
1: Yeah, that's the point. I think this episode's hits that I've said before: the great, nice balance between humour and the harder stuff. It's the perfect Doctor Who.
3: Yeah, there's just lots of ups and downs, isn't there? Got the plot holes though. The, the, how big did the sp- 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 spaceport hangar have to be? Because at one point they, I think it's the. One of the doctors and the companions comes into the uh, into the hangar, and at the far end of the hangar are the ships—enough ships to transport half a city's population. How Might many be a very small. City? Well, <laughs> 15, I
0: mean, I don't know about you, but I only heard about fifteen voices, so I'm I'm guessing it was maybe a really little
3: city. <laughs> and then the Daleks—they're going to destroy everybody if they don't become slaves. But, but I think it's actually explained later on. If you're going to destroy, everybody doesn't want to become slaves. You're going to do a lot of destroying. You're not many slaves, I thought. but
0: I think, is that not part of the argument that Zoe uses to them to sort of out, outsmart yeah. them? It's like, you're not going to kill us because if you do kill us, you're not going to
1: have your slaves. So if you need your slaves. Yeah. But in classic Dalek fashion, just move on to the next planet.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, think it, it, I think that's the thing. I think it's explained some, some, somehow along the lines of, I uh, might be one of the doctors sees it, that, you know, they sure they're setting an the example here so that other planets bow to out to their might so they don't get destroyed but become slaves but
0: i I thought it was interesting I thought it was a it was a it was a story I wasn't sure what I'd think of it because you know I knew a bit about Katarina, but because there is no real episodes you know it was a bit different I found her a little bit insipid at times mm. but it's kind of fitting and It's fitting in with the character. It's not, I don't think it's the actor's fault. I don't even necessarily think it's the writer's fault. I think they kind of handed this character and we know what she's like when she leaves Troy and we know what she's like when she's in the Dalek master plan. So there's no real character growth you can do. Uh, No, I thought it, I thought it was good to say, I thought the Daleks were quite menacing. I thought there was some, you know, a little bit of darkness. There was a lot of humor and yeah i liked it i thought it was a good it was a good call i mean some of these are really good these sort of past doctors i i'm assuming doug's picking them up as the sales big finish sales go on
2: yeah
3: there's is a, a first world war one i think falls on from this isn't it it's the next one in the series of early adventures i think this is the series that they're in isn't it i haven't got that one yet but... yeah well i like my my first four doctors so trying to get all the the earlier stuff, but I've come to the party too late to get them all from being finished on CDs.
0: You must have loved that 70s sale they did last week.
3: Yeah, but a lot of it was download only, and I'm spending enough as it is on CDs. I can't start (laughs) downloads. I've got to wait until I've got all the CDs that I can, and then think about the downloads.
0: That makes sense. The downloads will still be there. Well, exactly. and that's a
3: backlog to listen to that I have no rush whatsoever to to start paying for downloads that I'm going to just sit there for years. So, Doug, top recommendations in classic Doctor Who episodes? One one for the first and the second Doctor. Is that mm-hmm. what you're asking? I'm going to say for the first Doctor I would recommend one episode and one story because I think you really have to watch the first episode of An Unearthly Child to set the scene because it is a really good episode. I wouldn't necessarily recommend episodes 2, 3 and 4 with the cavemen because that is a bit of a struggle to sit through. Certainly some friends who'd never seen Doctor Who that I made sit through it. will probably never sit through any more Doctor Who because of that. I'm sure I could persuade them, but I think that so that's obviously the very first story. The Daleks is just a bit long and a bit padded as the second story i mean it, it it's it's a good story, but I think you probably want a bit more action, so I'm not sure there's there's probably three I would choose no 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 no, one. Well, if it's only going to be the one, one. <laughs> I'm going to go for the 10th planet, I think. Thank God you didn't choose the one I'd chosen, because that was going to be really difficult. <laughs> well, I'm th- the other two were War War Machines or the Daleks Invasion Earth. Daleks Invasion Earth is very good. Yeah, I think it's a bit, yeah. Again, it's another six-episode story. And I haven't watched any of these in a long time. So apart from uh, Unearthly Child, which I watched about, well, even that must be two years ago now. For the second Doctor, it's another Cyberman story, probably. The problem is, again, there's a couple of decent Cybermatch stories. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go for The Invasion. I'm
0: pleased you said that. It's my second doctor choice. It's also a match, And it's and not it's the other invasion. one. So I'll go for mine then. Uh, well, actually,
3: why do you like The Invasion? It's quite fast-paced. I think it's a is it an eight-episode story. It's a six or an eight-episode story. I can't remember now. It exists mostly apart from the two episodes which have been animated. And it's just a... Well, it's got the deals again in it, in unit. So it's set an off. Zoe gets some good, good parts and it. She confuses the computer and the entrance to the the building that the baddies are in. And it's this humour and, you know, all the sort of stuff that you enjoyed about the Patrick Trout and uh, Jamie and Zoe stuff in this story is in there in bucket loads. It's just a really good, well, I guess it's a precursor on the way to the uh, third Doctor's story. So maybe that's why I like it because it's, it's it's sort of that, it's the start of that that proper regime. It's the first. It's the one, the, brig- the Brigadier is the Brigadier, not, not that he's got his promotion in that one, isn't it? Yes. Hey, well,
0: I'll go for my first Doctor One being the Time Meddler,
3: because it's just a bit silly. I didn't think about that one.
0: And it's got the Monk in it, and it's William Hartnell being quite funny, and it's got the first time we meet another Time Lord, although we don't know they're called Time Lords at the time, but it just has some really funny quotes, and it started off a habit of casting comedians to play the Monk, which I think is a great thing, because he is quite comedic. But there's a point, it's set in 1066, uh, Battle of Hastings. And there's a point where they find the Viking helmet. And Stephen, it's Stephen's first episode as well. He's just been rescued for the chase, which was the previous episode. And Stephen doesn't believe that he's traveled through time and he finds the Viking helmet. And he's, the Doctor uses it as proof that they've traveled through time by saying, and what do you think this is, a space helmet for a cow? Which is oh. just a really nice line. <laughs> and there's another line later where the doctors talking through all of the stuff that they do and it's just it's I've got this to hand. It's this is a dematerialization control. That over yonder is a horizontal horizontal hold. Up there's a scanner. There are the doors. That is a chair with a panda on it. Cheer poetry, dear boy. Now please stop bothering me. And there is a little chair that has a cuddly panda on it that I think belongs to one of the pre- possibly Vicky or someone. But it's just got that sort of sense of humor and it is funny and it's a good story. And my second Doctor story is the other Cyberman story from that era, the Tomb of the Cybermen, which is just a really nice... It's, it's slightly problematic in the... Yeah, you wouldn't use the cast in the way that you have now. There's some definitely some quite problematic casting in it, but it is a really good story. There's a lovely moment as well where the Doctor and Jamie are walking into the tomb, and they both think they're holding... Victoria's hand, and it turns out they're holding each other's hand, and it's just that moment when they realise they're holding each other's hands, and they're like, "No!" It's just just a really good episode. So those are my recommendations. So hooray for them. So have had it. Yes, yeah. I guess that's about it then for this. Yes. We've all enjoyed it. It's been it's been lovely. Good nice.
1: times, good times had by all. So the next spare
0: prats is going to be the Ninth Doctor Adventures, Old Friends. So this is going to be our first foray into the Ninth Doctor. So, a chance to hear Chris Eccleston's Doctor and also to hear John Culshaw's Brigadier again.
3: From Big Finish Productions Doctor Who, the ninth Doctor Adventures, old friends. Welcome, welcome to my funeral. Sarah Jane always knew you'd go distinguished. Oh, was that Harry? Explain the USP.
0: Our premium service allows for the most personal farewell between the deceased and their loved ones that science can presently provide. For a few hours, we can restore their mind and body to the very peak of health. But what for?
1: So the dead can return and attend their own funerals. Oi! What? What's wrong? I thought
3: we were going at the same time. It would have looked amazing. Remember, killer on the loose.
2: Yep, got that. Thanks.
3: And try not to worry, but this is gonna hurt. What, me?
2: No, me! your
1: name and
3: rank. Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart. Hello? You open? I only just got here, mate. OK, whatever. Uh, one Americano, one hazelnut latte, as soon as you can. You what? You know about green men? <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. You love him. Every single moment, I can tell. Yes, well, it... Uh, pays to keep the hand in. That's why I've been helping out, down at the base. What base is
2: that? Running log of the HMS Columba experimental sub, day 312. At
3: his son. The doctor's a sterling chap. And please, please, call me Alistair.
2: My shouting
3: days are over. As you like, Alistair. I'm Sam Bishop, second lieutenant. What is this machinery about you, this fearsome engine? <laughs>
0: big finish for the love of stories he saved so many of them matter how dangerous it was wonderful work such a pity he's dead such a pity he's dead such a pity he's dead such well thanks everybody and we will be back soon bye 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 bye